Welcome to Cosmic Conversation. Today's guest is Adam Apollo. Thank you for being on, Adam. Can you tell, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, Sarah. Um, I woke up when I was 15, had a vision of the holographic fractal nature of the universe, dove into unified physics, became a martial artist, studied my past lives, worked my way through a lot of karmas and the mm-hmm. facing of the shadow of mankind and humanity and the mm-hmm. great journey that we've been on. Um, and after finding the keys to so many of those seeds of, of the pain and the darkness and the suffering, I began to really witness the current of grace running through all things. And I began to gain a greater context of our role within the universe. Um, I had a galactic contact experience. I ended up meeting a galactic council of species from all around the galaxy. Um, And I started to really see how my work in the world is about integrating and templating uh, these higher structures of operation into how we live our lives on Earth and finding ways to build systems that can actually help consciousness get to know itself better and grow. So education, you know, um, I've been a speaker in a lot of places uh, and done a lot of work in a a lot of different kinds of fields. Um, But in general, I I see myself as sort of an an architect of destiny, helping people really find what their gifts are and how they can move through the dynamic challenges of being human to, uh, to bring us to a more graceful and sustainable planet. Well, thank you for your work on this planet. Thank you for coming to this planet. I know sometimes it's not the easiest of journeys. Yeah. It's definitely needed and beautiful in the end. Um, You know, I wanted to really touch upon a subject that we were actually filming the other day when we had this like insane kind of um, mess up with the computer. We were talking about ET races and we were talking about how some of us are here to help them reascend and they come to get codes from us, you know, specifically a lot of heart chakra codes Mm. that they have forgotten from a long time ago to reascend into the light. Mm. So I wanted to speak to you about your experiences with that because that's something that I I'm always experiencing with whether it's the draconians, the reptilians, Mm. different beings, they come to me. And they kind of just, you know, they they ask to download these codes and then Mm. they're like, you've been through a lot, but you stayed in your heart Mm. and we're thankful and grateful for for this. So Mm -hmm. they ask if I can just channel that to them so that they can use those codes to reascend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, staying in your heart means trusting, right? It means staying with the current of grace and love and knowing that no matter how dark the challenge is that someone is facing in consciousness in you know, trauma and the destruction of, of worlds and life in whatever way that is, when one can hold the perspective that there is goodness in all, that there is mm-hmm. a, a resolution to every one of the challenges that we face, we extend grace from ourselves. We extend mm-hmm. trust that can allow us to feel our way through that arc and beings that are deeply caught in the moment you know they may be traveling in the the sort of stream of consciousness and life and come up against 
something that they're not willing to feel. Usually it's pain from the past, it's pain from a trauma, um, and those traumas can be as large as like massive planetary issues and species level issues down to very personal family issues. Mm -hmm. um, and when you come up against that thing that you're not willing to feel, you begin creating tension and pressure with that, that mm -hmm. seed of shadow. And it's a tangle and you're, it's almost like the more you resist it, the more you push away from it, the stronger its vortex gets. And that builds and builds and builds until finally, eventually everyone comes to a breaking point. No matter who you are, where you're from, what the trauma is, mm -hmm. there's always a point where you have no choice except for accepting except for allowing the feeling to be there, which usually means grieving, breaking open, releasing the rage, releasing the intensity, going through the actual feeling of the origin of that trauma point. And, and the feeling is actually the language that's kind of hidden, embedded inside of this tangled knot of shadow. Or, you know, if you're Hindu, think of it as a sanskara, like a vortex. You get so far down in the vortex that finally you get to the point, the whole purpose of it, and then it blooms. And as it begins to bloom with the feeling comes this whole new release of consciousness, mm -hmm. this whole new state and level of awareness. And so whether we're talking about, you know, species on other worlds um, and certain individuals within those species that are still playing out traumatic patterns and maybe way down in a sanskara and like struggling and still resisting and, and, and because they're struggling, they're pulling other people in with them all the time. Whether it's that or it's someone in your in your day-to-day -day life who's really avoiding something that's critical and important for them to actually feel and process, mm -hmm. the the answer is the same. And that is that that inevitably that pain, that suffering, that shadow has a gift of new consciousness mm -hmm. for that person and for others around them. And so it's literally the act of surrender, the will to actually let go and to feel that makes all the difference. And for those of us that have moved through a lot of these painful places in our lives and moved through a lot of those shadows, we develop the ability to trust that others can make it through. Mm -hmm. And so we stop being quite as judgmental about who's good and who's bad and instead start seeing each being as going through their own moment in that transformation process. Mm -hmm. This one little place for them that will lead them to a greater field of knowledge, victory, awareness, consciousness, etc. That reminds me of something I wrote a while back, which was like, you know, whether it's a murderer or an abuser, even they at some point will find the light, whether it's in this lifetime or another, mm -hmm. but they will and we should just send them a lot of love. So yeah. when you achieve Christ consciousness, you know why people do the things that they do or beings do the things they do. It's because they're hurt and hurt beings or hurt people hurt others. So I have great compassion on them. That's, yeah. yes. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy in our field when it comes to um, specific races. And I really wanted in this podcast to 
touch upon that with you of how, you know, we need to send them love and instead of approaching them with, hey, you're evil, you're bad, actually push them with solutions and healing and channel that to them because I feel that this is what we need to do now on this planet rather than saying, hey, you're bad or you're evil or you're doing terrible things, so just stay away and you're in a way I feel like we damn beings and things or people and we shouldn't do that on this planet and we yeah. don't want to open up and see that there are solutions for the the suffering and that there is actually healing that we can channel to these beings mm. yeah so um like with the reptilians can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that and i know we sure. were talking about the dragons and we're having to go through this podcast again yeah because we had just spoke about so many amazing things on the last one um yeah. so if you can tell me a little bit about that the the dragons the reptilians and i know we were talking a little bit about the draconians because i've been encountering them recently as sure as of last year yeah absolutely to start with, as a little context setter, um, <laughs> I find that we generally perceive others to be evil or judge others in the ways that we have not yet accepted mm -hmm. pain in ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So we're usually mirroring in the universe around us what we need to see for what we actually need to look at the stuff we're really yes. scared of <laughs> um so that's a context setter and i think it's important to gather a larger context around reptilians in order to understand um, the journey of this species mm -hmm. it's not fair for us ever to say okay like let's say you have a indonesian man you know rob you when you're traveling in bali right are you gonna now believe that all indonesian people are bad or evil because of one person's need and an action in a moment no and the fact that we do this uh and and you see the the level of racism that still exists and persists on this planet um, is a really good pointer to how we still have to work out our own fears and our own projections. Um, and when you're dealing with an entire species, you know, imagine like one dog has a really bad, you know, issue and chews up your shoes and, you know, poops on the floor and stuff. And you then believe that all dogs are bad, right? Mm -hmm. So with reptilians, no, there isn't, there isn't any species that's all bad, exactly. okay? Or that all is evil or behaves in an evil manner. That it's a ridiculous concept. However, there is trauma there. And the trauma in this case, um, after many years of my own work with transpersonal psychology and sort of unpacking my lifetime where I was in the war with the reptilians and facing off and they were destroying my planet and my worlds, um, I came to discover where they came from. And what happened was that um, there was an Arcturian experiment and Arcturians love to work with genetics. Um, and play with how do we braid together consciousness of different kinds. And they had gone and they had taken dragon DNA 
from dragons in the Andromeda galaxy and brought it back to experiment with bridging the galactic energies through bridging dragon DNA and humanoid DNA. So they took a bunch of different humanoid genetics and they took dragon genetics and they started testing and creating kind of different hybrid forms to bring the two together, put them on a planet, let them kind of grow and evolve. And some thousand or so years later, the real full culture of the species really began to emerge. And the problem was that, that the beings that began to incarnate into all of these cycles on that planet, some of them were dragons from Andromeda who were literally ripped away from their family because their souls were used to following their own genetic threads. Yes. And so they are suddenly being born on another planet in another galaxy away from their family in these hybrid bodies, which were not even, you know, very well <laughs> integrated, mm -hmm. right? And so you can imagine their anger and their feeling of dishonor from that. And then you look to the dragon families and Andromeda, and eventually I remembered actually being there and being other dragon families that didn't lose their DNA, but saw and witnessed these families go through this, where they felt literally like their, their grandfather, who was gonna be their great grandchild, because they were gonna follow the same DNA line, mm -hmm. is now gone is now in another galaxy, is now struggling in this new body. And there was such a massive feeling of dishonor that these beings literally tore their bodies apart and traveled as souls to come be born in this galaxy with the interest of making these humanoids pay mm -hmm. for what they did to them, teaching them a lesson, right? Mm -hmm. But one that was coming from this rage, this unprocessed rage and anger. And so... The reptilian species, as it grew, had more and more of these dragon lords who literally were like, let's get off this planet as soon as possible. Let's go to these worlds. Let's take out these beings who did this to us. And that was what began the whole fleet of the reptilians coming and eventually, you know, attacking Shihaley, where I came as a dragon, left my body and incarnated as one of the other humanoid species in this galaxy in order to meet that force, face off with it, and try to help it heal. Because the reality is, you know, no matter how bad or how dark it is that somebody does something to you, it's not an answer to go kill them and all their family and all yes. their friends and wipe them from the face of existence simply because you feel dishonored and you feel hurt. Though I'm sure most of people out there have had moments where they were so hurt that they just wanted to destroy everything. Like we can all relate with that pain, right? And when you can relate with that pain and you've overcome that pain and you've started to understand that grace and compassion and that trauma is a process and it's a process of resolving and accepting feeling that's inside of us, really actually going through the feeling, the pain, mm -hmm. the energy, letting it move allows it to untangle itself then you start to see that it's absolutely wrong for us to judge these beings and these other species simply because they've been going through dark phases of their own karmic and sanskaric journey. It's important for us to start holding the space for how they can move out of that state of conflict, which means actually accepting the wound, accepting the, the sort of deeper accountability 
that we have in the past as a galactic family together um, to move forward. You know, with your memories, it's so it's almost similar to my memories because I remember being in a humanoid body on Mars mm-hmm. whenever the the portal was open and these sort of reptilian kind of beings mm-hmm. came through mm-hmm. and destroyed the entire planet. They mm-hmm. were channeling um, this this force um, that kind of just disintegrated everything on on the planet, and within one day's Earth time time everything was destroyed that was very traumatizing for me so that's when I started to jump and time travel and and just kind of go until I got to this timeline actually I of course I went to Egypt for a little while and some other timelines but it's interesting that I have a similar memory of the that invasion and yes it, 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 it it's for me with their reptilians, they've been coming to me and they've told me that, you know, one of the chieftains came to me. They're very tribal-like, and um, yeah. I feel like the native the Native Americans have some of their um, their kind of their rituals come from the reptilians. You know, with yeah. the feathers and yeah. the different um, the different dress that they tribal dress that they dress in. Because I've seen the reptilians similar with like feathers, and um, even they'll have a they'll have kind of this spare with a a crystal and it seems like feathers coming down it down it but they've the chieftain came to me recently and he told me that they were going to that there was some rogue forces and that we shouldn't judge you know the entire reptilian race as you know bad or or evil that there were rogue forces and that he and his um forces mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and get that back into order because mm-hmm. they want to see the illumination of humanity yeah and this is i, healing, I cried sure. i'm like i'm crying like a little a little child when yeah. they come to me and so for me you know in our community i think reptilians are harshly judged mm-hmm badly judged and rampantly judged so i wanted to get that across because Mm -hmm. i i told them i'm like you know what i have such compassion for you and your plight they also told me something very interesting they said you know people judge us but even humanity they're energy vampires they're feeding upon the energies of the planet they're feeding upon each other their children their partners even they're out of the divine order of the the divine symphony so they expressed to me to you know tell humanity that hey kind of look at your own issues and go work on those we're gonna work on ours (laughs) just know that we're doing our best to get back into the divine order of things Mm -hmm. go do that to yourselves yeah Yes. Do your own work. Do your own work. Yes. I'm so thankful you shared that too because um, as I've tracked a lot of source rituals and cultural lineages, um, one of the things that I found is that a lot of Native American culture is actually Arcturian culture. Mm. And even the teachings of the white buffalo calf woman and the mm-hmm. seven ceremonies of the Lakota are an Arcturian star tribe teaching. And so this tells me that what you're seeing with these dragon beings is they've resolved their issues with the Arcturians. 
They've mm -hmm. gone through the res resolution, which means now there's an exchange and there's a connection and that culture and harmony happens and, and begins to braid into both sides. Um, and that's so essential, right? Mm -hmm. We have to learn from each other. We have to accept our enemies and begin to actually embrace what it is that they know because they have gifts too, right? That's true. <laughs> and, you know, on another note, the Draconians too recently did the same thing. They mm -hmm. said that they were going to get back into divine order, which means mm -hmm. instead of fighting um, the divine and fighting the heart chakra and the energies of the heart, mm -hmm. they're actually open to it. So that mm -hmm. happened to me recently also, this experience. So, you know, these different beings are coming back into divine order. Now I think it's time for humanity to step it up That's right. and start going within and doing the work and getting yeah. back in divine order too, because until yeah. then they're going to have chaos. Yeah, that I'd like to speak to as well for a moment, which is that, you know, when we talk about things like divine order, right, we say the divine, we say God, goddess, goddessence, source, mm -hmm. um, we we can't really refer to that without including everything right <laughs> exactly everything yeah. is in it and in fact it's impossible to have anything that's ever separate from that mm -hmm. and so this gives us a context to actually look at what does this what does this mean when we see chaos mm -hmm. what does it mean when we see a planet going through like this kind of gestation <laughs> and and what it means is that there is a journey in consciousness going on at all times and for consciousness to grow consciousness creates its own challenge mm -hmm. in other words we plant the seeds of the shadows in front of us to have to feel something new to face something new to to do something in a new way and it may take us it can take us moments to go through a tangled karmic shadow field it can take us years, it can take us decades, it can take us centuries. Um, and this process, when you look at it at a collective scale, what you start to see is that before every, every wave of massive transformation, uh, renaissance, enlightenment, awakening on the planet, things get real dark right before that. Mm -hmm. And that real darkness is because people are actually going in and facing all of those shadow knots and darkness. And each person may get more or less caught in different ones for a while because it can be intense to actually trust and to feel. Uh, we can see it politically, all this massive judgment of each other, you know, because of what? Because of people that we're electing, because we, you know, we think that we have these entirely different values, but when we really suss it out, like, yeah, of course, everybody doesn't want child trafficking, you know, like nobody wants kids to get hurt, you know, nobody wants the environment to be destroyed. Everybody wants our kids to have better education. Everybody wants freedom and sovereignty and the ability to choose what they have and what they do. And, and the four, you know, simple values I just expressed are both sides. That's red and blue. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the conflict that we get ourselves into in these pressures of judgment actually preserve, in a sense, our own struggle because we're not looking at the, the part inside of us that's triggered, mm -hmm. which is actually our own shadow. Yes. Right. So as people start to actually accept the part that that's their own shadow, 
you know, maybe where they haven't been conscious of the challenges of black people or LGBT people. Like mm -hmm. actually they're not conscious. They actually don't know what those challenges I are agree on that. and they're afraid of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, once they start to face and to feel those pains, feel the suffering, accept it together. It's, it's not, it's not a hole that you get stuck in. You could think of, if it's like a black hole that you feel like you're being sucked into as you go into that pain and suffering, it's actually a portal that's going to lead you right through the other side. Mm -hmm. And when you come into the other side, it's going to bloom with greater awareness, acceptance and knowledge than you've ever experienced before. And this is where our planet's going. We're actually going through the dark night of the soul, yes. preparing for this <laughs> dawn that's going to be the most glorious and beautiful experience of humanity seeing itself that's ever happened. And that's exciting because there's so much star family here too. And all this star family who's all participating as human all get to experience humanity's awakening together as one species, as one people. That's why I traveled here. Yeah. Sometimes people ask me, they're like, why did you come to this timeline? It's kind of chaotic. I'm like, <laughs> well, I get to see the awakening of humanity after watching the earth for some thousand years. It's Why wouldn't I come when they're awakening the timeline they're awakening? That's the okay. best thing to experience in a 3D physical body. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons that I came here. And I can see it happening. You know, I, I feel like people don't actually see how much we have progressed um, in the field of awakening within these last you know five years I remember when I came to the United States I was the only person eating organic salad and you know being ridiculed for that because you know I was high maintenance to drive across the town to find some organic vegetables and fruits Good and now <laughs> They thought I was crazy, obviously. Claim those now, green vegetables. <laughs> Nowadays, there's like a Whole Foods and there's, yeah. uh, you know, natural grocers everywhere. Right. Of course, their food for me is reflection of the consciousness. Yes, it is. So definitely consciousness so. is going up. You know, now people yeah. are much more aware of, you know, different things from pharmaceuticals to vaccinations mm -hmm. and all these things. So mm -hmm. we are awakening, you, yes. you know. I think people just want to instantaneously be there. Yeah. They just need to have some patience because it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a journey. It's a divine journey. But mm -hmm. yes, the world's awakened. And I, and I feel like that, you know, the more that people go in and they face um, all those dense energies and all those unhealed things, because we are going through the dark night, the so obviously with COVID and everything else that's happening on the planet, mm -hmm. there's going to, when they come out the other side, you know, they're going to be more connected to their souls. They're going to be more connected to the planet. They're going to be more connected to the ETs, to the other dimensions and realms. So I see this as kind of the pressure, COVID, all the pressure, whether it's politics, the pressure to push them to go yeah. there and discover a new part of themselves. It's almost like when Christopher Columbus mm. discovered the United States. No, wait, so, so it's a discovery. America was here all along, <laughs> all along. Yeah. But it, it, it's like, it, it's been there all along. Humanity sure. just has forgotten it and they're rediscovering right. it, an that's ancient right. part of themselves. Yes. Yeah. That's well said and beautiful. And I think there's so much rediscovery that we have the opportunity to have right now. Yes. It's it's a time when we actually get to go back into the past and accept more of what's happened. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of that is that through time, 
in each incarnation, in each cultural cycle, in each wave or age of life and society, there are different shadows that we come up against, different challenges we come up against. And, and we have to learn how to move through those and integrate them, which takes trust, it takes love, it takes the, the allowance and grace to actually make it through these different periods in time. But what's interesting is that when we get to certain moments in time and we've forgotten how we got here, you gotta kinda go back and re, re-accept that stream that has led to this moment. Mm-hmm. Everything that we experience right now is a result of everything that's happened leading up till now. And, you know, it's, it was frustrating for me, you know, in high school and college looking at history and realizing like, wait a second, there's definitely some problems with the story that we're (laughs) telling ourselves here, you know, and then, you know, ending up in places like Egypt and listening to someone tell me a story about how a certain structure was built and being a physicist, and knowing that the story he's telling is absolutely false. In fact, it would be impossible for something to be done in the way that's being described, right? Mm -hmm. With say, for example, a hammer and copper chisel on a basalt sarcophagus that weighs a hundred tons, that's six feet tall by eight feet wide by 16 feet long, carved from a single piece of stone that has laser sharp edges, Mm -hmm. you know, in the Serapium, for example. And there's like 20 or 30 of these things inside of, you know, all these underground chambers. You know, and the story is that these guys literally chipped these out of basalt <laughs> with copper, which would literally bend going against basalt. You need you need a diamond saw to cut these things. Mm-hmm. And they came from 50 to 100 miles away. And uh-huh. so what do they do? They drag them across the desert, down the Nile, up the thing, dug 150 feet underground, made these tunnels, put all of these in there. And the whole story is that they made them to bury bulls. And there's no bull skeletons, no bull skulls, you know, it's, it's, we've tell these stories because we don't know what else to think. We don't know, there's no context. And especially when you have a religious context that says the earth is a certain length of time or, you know, since Adam and Eve, that's all that we've got, you know, or Islam has their own kind of translation in the time of the, the story of the earth. And, and so anything that goes outside of that or beyond that literally feels like a threat to their very existence and belief system. Mm-hmm. And yet when you look at the facts and you look at the data, humanity's journey is way older than our history. And we had entire epic renaissances of civilization prior to the end of the last ice age. And these seeds of the keys that we've left behind right in front of us need to be reintegrated. We need to accept our past. And as we do so, we will actually understand our present. You know, I, um, I can relate to your experience in Egypt because when I was in Egypt a year ago, I had the same thing happen to me. Mm. Like, oh, the car- sarcophagus were actually chambers of regeneration also. We could travel to the, through the stars mm. with them. Mm-hmm. They weren't just burial chambers. Mm-hmm. And I myself remember being in Egypt and I have this memory of this golden being coming through this portal. I laid in the sarcophagus Mm -hmm. with my family 
And he literally burned these almost like what you call magic magic sigils. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're the hieroglyphs mm -hmm. in the chamber we were in. And then he would come to each of the sarcophagus and lean his almost like his hand. But he was in gold, mm -hmm. and he would take the hand of our spirit. And as we would mm -hmm. be pulled out of our physical bodies, they would completely instantaneously mummify. Mm. Wow. So that was my experience. So when I you know when I was in there with King Tut. He said to me, you know, I left my body here mm. because the genetics are activated. I felt so much energy coming from him more than I do often living people because mm. he was, he's completely his, 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 that body he left as a gift to, mm. and he said that anyone who comes in its presence, it activates them on mm. some level or another. Yes. But he was saying, you know, I'm not dead mm. and I have other bodies I've went into on other planets. But he was like, this is just one of like almost the, the husk, the, yeah. the bodies I was using on this planet that I left fully activated mm. so that in these times, mm -hmm. as people awaken, they'll understand that we left these ancient codes for them. They, we left it in our in our mummified bodies. Mm -hmm. We we left it in the hieroglyphs, which are an ancient computer system of light that channel light through the pyramids and through the temples. So mm -hmm. he was telling me that. So it was a beautiful experience, and you know, I had my guide, and my guide was just telling me all this like mm -hmm. stuff that he was taught. You know, to to guide the the tourists with, and I just was like, ah, oh, this is this is quite off. I yeah. wanted to have some earphones just yeah. to stop listening to him, so I can relate to that. Mm. I remember yeah, like two billion years back. So when mm. you say history, mm -hmm. I didn't go to school, by the way, so yeah. I didn't have to. I didn't have that opposing like view of you know reading history books, which sure. could have I feel tainted for me my mm -hmm. memories. Mm -hmm. So all of the things I know are from my memories, from yeah. all the way from Mars and back. But what were you going to say beautiful. about that? I've done the same. I've done the same practice, particularly with my work in in recalling galactic lifetimes and species and the transpersonal work that I did with many, many others, remembering that rather than reading books already written, already translated, mm -hmm. already sort of collapsing the, the waveform, um, it's been very important for me to keep, keep an open spaciousness to get the truth for myself. And that being said, there's also very, very little um, sort of archaeological and anthropological data that we can work with to mm -hmm. do the galactic work. Whereas on Earth, there is still, there is structures, there is sites, there is archaeology. And so there is a lot of value in all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's value to be able to confirm your memories and experiences by kind of cross-referencing with the mm -hmm. study of a place and by recognizing that the way that the particular archaeologist may have translated things and explained things may have come from a limited perspective mm -hmm. so you can retranslate and relook at with a greater perspective in physics what actually went on and for example you know Tutankhamun um, was absolutely a young master and I had the deep honor and opportunity to advise him and work to support him and protect him during that time um, and this was following a very very destructive period um, which is often, I think, vastly misinterpreted. The period of Akhenaten um, was a, kind of a mix of a lot of stuff going on because while there was both this sort of um, 
you know, let's focus on the sun disc, on the raw, the one God faith, the like, let's come together and be united. Um, there were also forces at the time, military forces led by Horemheb in particular, mm -hmm. that basically used that building of a new city and that uniting of religion to say, oh, well, these other religions are bad and evil then. Mm -hmm. And so they went around literally burning temples, eradicating temples, wiping stuff off the walls, you know, chipping off literally the hieroglyphs and the stories and the secrets of a lot of these sacred places. Um, and I, I experienced a lot of my family and beloveds and people that I cared about at that time suffer and be killed um, for this sort of, you know, uh, illusion of a faith that would somehow interconnect us all, right? Like mm -hmm. that it would somehow heal us all and bring us together. And in fact, what it was doing was killing and destroying us. Mm -hmm. And so after the wave of that time, you know, it was actually, it was a very challenging mantle for Tutankhamun to take on. He was a child and the military force had gotten stronger and stronger during the time of Akhenaten. Of course, they killed him off too once mm -hmm. they got enough strength, put in the child and then made the child king, the war king, so that they had an excuse to go around and steal a bunch of Nubian gold and raid a bunch of villages, you know, all throughout Upper Egypt. And, it, and the grace that Tutankhamun came with to be able to somehow try to rebalance that field of, of the, the intense darkness and pain that was going on in that time um, was deeply admirable. And it's a piece that's missing from that story, you know, as well as the dark side of Akhenaten is often is missing from those stories, too. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very, very challenging time. And and in the end, you know, none of us could hold the mantle in the field and the military took the power um, mm -hmm. because they just built too much force and strength and and had kind of destabilized uh, the unity of all of these different sacred paths of all these priests and priestesses who who truly unified Egypt. It was the diversity of the gods and the goddesses and the nature of all of these different ways to find the truth that unified Egypt. Mm -hmm. And once each of those were being torn down and destroyed and pushed back and said, this is right and this is wrong, Egypt became very divided. Um, and we can we can see the impact of that through the further dynasties and all the way to the present. You know, with King Ta, I have such a close connection to him. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I was going to ask you to, do you feel that he, he was a hybrid, his body? Because, mm -hmm. you know, they say he was a small child, but if I look at his body, he seemed very, you know, ET-like. Mm -hmm very thin um larger head and he did um he had these guardians there were ets that were guarding the mm -hmm. his body mm -hmm. when i walked in sure. there yeah yes there were there were several different um hybrid uh hybridizations and galactic mergers going on during this period mm -hmm. um and akhenaten and nefertiti were two of them as well but they weren't the only ones. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, regardless of however good their intentions may have been, you know, it, it didn't play out the way perhaps they envisioned it to. I mean, I, I trust that probably they had a really good vision in mind for, for unity and creation, 
but their their work was twisted by others and taken and used to create violence. Um, and my experience of them and of Tut is of quite quite luminous beings mm -hmm. with immense consciousness and immense capacity to hold. Um, and as a child, certainly he was vastly gifted um, in his ability to see and orient and kind of connect the dots. So thus the frame young master. I was also going to ask you, you know, about the Egyptian role bloodline along with the bloodline of the priest and priestesses. Mm -hmm. I know it originates from off planet. Do you have mm -hmm. any information on that? Because I, I know what I um, have in memory and I want to see what you know about this because sure. I've done a lot of work on that myself. Sure. Yeah. At different times, there have been different phases of beings coming to incarnate as human here. And usually leading up to that, and what I remember particularly from the time of Atlantis, is that there was a lot of hybridization going on over Lemuria for like, you know, literally over thousands and thousands of years leading up to and into the Ice Age and the sort of renaissance of culture that was forced by all the ice pushing mm -hmm. cultures together. And, and as this occurred, you know, so you have you have Pleiadians coming in, building water tribe and like sailing cultures and connecting the dots for those peoples. You have Syrians coming in, laying the foundation for what eventually would be Celtic culture, which is mm -hmm. like Tuatha Dé Danann lineage and the deep wisdom of the forest and of light and the energy of how to work with light. And uh, you had Arcturians coming in teaching the stone knowledge and the wisdom of the structure and how to build pyramids, how to build things with stone that could store memory and information. Um, you had Yahonians coming in to the jungle tribes, working with and build, bringing out the medicines of, of Gaia mm -hmm. so that those medicines could be shared with the world. Um, and you have Laquinon uh, architects who are sort of helping to steward how do we architect new societies and you have Shihali warriors those coming in to protect and guard and teach the the art of actual um, what guardianship really means preserving mm -hmm. sovereignty in each person and so each of those was a hybridization which now looking back we actually see that as as these different races yes. these different races came from this hybridization of humanity um, but we lost, we lost the insight that those were actually different, different kind of branches of humanity coming from different star nations. Um, and so throughout time, you know, that, that happened in a massive way leading into Atlantis. So humanity massively diversified and then came together. And then after the ice age, there have been different periods where different beings, um, from different parts of the galaxy would come in to participate as part of humanity and play out and learn and explore and be here and others would actually you know because because earth in itself wasn't really like established as a like there wasn't protocols established mm -hmm. to sort of protect the planet at the time you'd also have some interesting rogue characters come in you know make their own hybridization <laughs> and then then incarnate into their hybrids children and try to use that as a position of power mm -hmm. because they had unintegrated karma from other places and they're still playing out another cycle of 
you know, being the, the commander of all the <laughs> beings and having all of them be slaves to doing their will. So we see a lot of that in different cultures around the world where there's occasionally these rogue characters that kind of come in and and really like stir up some messes from their own shadow oh, stuff yeah i know i've encountered a few of those <laughs> yeah. yes i'm sure you have yeah. so it's like okay we'll just come real earth and i'm like no you're not i'm gonna leave <laughs> that alone and go deal with your stuff yeah. um you know <laughs> i've encountered some very interesting stuff that's for sure to this day like i I'm always discovering new things and I thought I had like a full encyclopedia because I've actually interacted with 200 probably plus uh over 200 different races mm -hmm. but I'm still always discovering a new mm -hmm. specimen that's like oh hey I'm a couple billion years old I'm the last one that exists <laughs> <laughs> you're like an exobiologist yes I think that one of the funniest things is I was over in um I was over at MUFON meet in, in San Francisco years ago when I lived in Sausalito. Yeah. And I um, I literally, because I can see people who are not human, uh -huh. I looked across the room and there was this uh, Latino guy and he, just the most joyous person ever. And he was laughing and making jokes and such a joy. Mm. And I looked at him and he shapeshifted. He looked like Barney the dinosaur. And I'm like, what is this? And uh -huh. I'm looking at him and I'm like doing a double take. Then he walks over and he's like, you know, a lot of us aliens that are cloaked come, and come to move on me ends mm. because there's other aliens. And he's like, thank mm. you for seeing me. He's like, I'm mm. one of the last of my species. And yeah, mm. he's like, I know you saw how I look. I look like Barney mm. the dinosaur. <laughs> not from this realm <laughs> i didn't even told him he could sense that i could see him and yeah. he knew it that i yeah. could see him and he came over to yeah yeah so the person who channeled barney was tapped into something some sort you know, just of like, species you know just like tolkien uh tolkien was never an artist J.R.R. tolkien who wrote the lord of the rings the channelers, right? he he was a linguist and he was actually creating a language from scratch and he started having dreams and visions of the people that spoke that language and they were the people of oh a land of eternal sun who yes. came across the great seas to middle earth he was literally channeling the syrian elves yes okay so this is like i speak this language yeah. astrally or in the other realms or Beautiful. even like in this realm yeah. and i was told recently i guess you could call it light language i was told that this is the language of basically the the primordial mm. energy of all mm. and that when we like clear out everything else this language comes up from the realms mm. of the spirits through us and this is the ancient creator language and i notice when i'm in other realms it can bring energy together or it can and condense it or it can completely just shatter it so that's ah yeah. oh, that would make a lot of sense no wonder i listen to a lot of the lord of the rings sort of like yeah stuff and i i really can feel like something's stirring in my soul mm -hmm. ah okay yeah there's a reason that he translated also that elven is a magical language it's uh -huh. actually designed to shape and move light um an analog to that on earth would be the way that many people describe hebrew as mm -hmm. a fire language and light language that has number encoding and is magical when approached and spoken in the right way mm -hmm. this of course can point us to the truth that in fact all languages are magical you know if yes. you appropriately use your words and shape 
your words, you can move the field of space-time through language. Yeah. It's just one of the many tools that we have to make change mm -hmm. and creation. And so that's where light language comes in. You know, we have the, story, the whole story of the Tower of Babel where everybody's mm -hmm. language was divided. <laughs> And I feel like sometimes, because the ETs recently, recently were telling me this, that noise, that just our light, our noise in us speaking keeps us from actually tapping into the light language within ourselves. So they were telling me that eventually every single race on earth at some point will go back to the original language of the divine that's within them, deep within them, that will just kind of spill out of their mouths. And if that's what's going to come out. And it's not just like us sitting here and talking. It's a language that literally affects atoms. Mm -hmm. It affects the four elements. Mm -hmm. It affects energy. It affects everything. Mm -hmm. That's why that language has been locked away until people do the work mm -hmm. because it's mm -hmm. so powerful and that will yes. spill out of our mouths and we'll walk to the oceans and we'll gather and this language will spill out. And I, I've been giving this vision for a while and that's going to go and clear the oceans of the pollution. It's going to clear the skies and stuff. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a very, very quite beautiful thing. To yeah, we're on our way to our birthright. And um, there's a couple things I'll speak to in this beautiful story that you just shared. Um, one is that a long time ago, I realized that the Tower of Babel was just the story of humanity trying to reconnect with the star family during mm -hmm. Atlantis mm -hmm. and, you know, humans building a tower to the gods. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and and yet the kind of translation through, unfortunately, some of the tone of the way Christianity has unfolded on this planet was that the wrathful God, you know, destroys mm -hmm. the tower and knocks humans down and forces everyone to uh, have a separate language mm -hmm. so they can't be one with the gods um, is, is a really just kind of massively distorted translation mm -hmm. of this because the beauty was that it was actually like humanity unifying, coming to a whole, finding a higher language, which is the language of telepathy, which is the bridging language for the planetary newosphere to connect with other planetary newospheres. In other words, you get a telepathic link with other worlds and other species. Mm -hmm. And all the other worlds that are part of the Galactic Council communities, they all have already developed this because it's how they coordinate starship travel. It's how they jump ships faster than light because you certainly can't use radio waves, you know, mm -hmm. to signal if you're going to show up in a place. It would go as slow as light and and telepathy and consciousness moves faster than light it's distributed and interconnected across the universe through entanglement so you know really what happened was that gaia the body of the earth itself wasn't ready to vibrate at the harmonic necessary for the full newospheric telepathic field to awaken and so you can think of it as breaking open her throat chakra and the waters spread across the earth the ice melted right bringing the waters bringing the flood and this this both just like sort of separated the different peoples and tribes around the planet 13 mm -hmm. tribes of israel yes. you know is one translation and and also sort of forced them to deepen their connection with the earth because you can think of it as like a lot of seeds from other worlds star seeds mm -hmm. beings came here at that time and they didn't really know this planet yet 
And so Gaia's like, no, you're not going to just come here and <laughs> eject back out again. You're going to come here and learn from me. Mm-hmm. You're going to get to know me. And that means getting to know all of my languages, all of my ways. Mm-hmm. And so I look at a lot of this 13,000 year cycle as, as a journey of, of learning the ways of Gaia and really unfolding and understanding the throat chakra of this planet and of our own beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and each petal of the throat chakra lotus or each vibrational angle is like a tone and a sound that forms pieces of all of the languages. And yet the 16th petal, the final piece of that lotus is the om sound, mm-hmm. it, which is a sound that has no sound. It's the sound that underlies all of the sounds, all the languages, and is like the unlocking key to the third eye. Mm-hmm. And so we're coming to a time now where with our work in technology, with people coming together from all of these languages, we're starting to awaken this universal language again, this key of telepathy, the newosphere that connects us. And I believe that Gaia is now ready for that newospheric field to be mm-hmm. fully activated. Yes. And, and that will then allow us to join this greater galactic community because we'll have the basic skills that we can then apply through our technology to travel faster than light and get to know other worlds and understand the sort of deeper spiritual fabric of the universe. I agree with you. And um, even I see that this year and next year, a lot more of humanity is going to be lightened up. They're going to be connecting to their soul. They're also going to kind of really healing so that they step out of what I call the false light matrix system. They're also going to go ahead and step into a lot more, you know, knowing and knowledge of the divine. When that happens, then they're going to reconnect to their star family. And that's what the ETs keep telling me. So they said, you know, this year it's going to happen next year. It's really going to come through for a lot of humanity. Yeah. I, I see that. I see that. And, and I, 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 we can wrap up in a moment. And I just want to say one thing about, um, about that false light matrix that you're pointing to there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that we can have care and discernment noticing whenever a certain story or belief system seems to be designed to turn us against others. Mm-hmm. Whenever something is telling you that this is the wrong geometry this is the evil geometry this is the bad person this is the bad culture this is the bad society this is the bad political party whenever you are hearing that that's a signal to you that that's coming from someone who has unintegrated shadow Mm -hmm. the source of that literally is the unwillingness for whatever beings came up with that story to deal with their own pain and their own suffering Mm -hmm. which means it's actually a great signal for us to can tell what's not true because if something tells us this is evil, this is bad, this is, you shouldn't look at that. You shouldn't look at that. Then we know, Oh, okay, well that's all just unintegrated karmic shit. And that means we should actually look Look at at that. We should absolutely dive in and get to know what the actual values are of those people or the the magic of that geometry mm-hmm. we're told is bad or evil we we should dive into that and get to know it um and through doing that we unlock the sort of false light b- barriers mm-hmm. and begin to actually see the beauty the grace and the majesty in all people and all things 
Thank you for that. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you for being on my podcast. And where can my followers find out more about your work? Sure. Um, if you just Google my name, Adam Apollo, A-P-O-L-L-O, -L -L -O, you'll find me in a lot of places. Um, yeah, and... there's like a million photos of them of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just don't scroll too far back in my Instagram photos. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you can find me that way. Uh, my website is adamapollo.com. Um, you can see uh, sort of the, the sort of new seating of laying out um, different galactic family translations at galacticfamily.net. That one's still uh, in progress in the works. Um, and I've got some big projects coming down the pipe. So if you're interested, you know, get on my mailing list and I'll let you know when I have new things coming out. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs>